Welcome back to Fresh Faith. We have a wonderful interview to share with you today. Robin Schweitzer is a member of the Bible Chapel and has always had a heart for missions, specifically serving the orphaned and vulnerable. She served as a midterm missionary with Kids Alive in Kenya and is now headed into the field full-time. Robin has been in the U.S. visiting, raising awareness, and telling anyone who will listen how awesome God really is. Working overseas or even in a domestic mission setting is hard. Robin has a great story of how God prepared her for this type of work, even if it wasn't necessarily the timeline she had envisioned. We knew we had to share her story with you. So here's Ron's interview with Robin. Robin, thanks for coming. Sure. We uh, are so excited to have you here. We've had you on the calendar for a long time, and we're glad that you're back in the States. And uh, we wanted to take the time just um, to introduce you to uh, our, our congregation and let them know uh, what you've been doing, and, and uh, God has had you on a really pretty cool journey, and uh, it's been neat to see uh, first your service in the church, and then your call uh, to go on a, a midterm, I mean, your two-year was your first stint, <laughs> and now uh, another um, leg of the journey that God has for you. So, so I'd like for you just to introduce yourself a little bit. Um, you grew up in Newcastle. Yes. And so you're kind of a Pittsburgher from the from the get-go, right? Pretty much. Large family? Um, a pretty large family. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Uh, where are you in the mix? I'm the middle child. Forgotten. <laughs> yeah. Forgotten child? Maybe. Maybe <laughs> forgotten. I'm the favorite. <laughs> how, many, uh, how many kids? Um, there's three of us. So I have an older brother who's married, has a, what, 23-year-old and a 19-year-old. That makes... Don't do the math. That means I'm old. <laughs> and then my sister is actually married four years now to someone she met at the Bible Chapel. Cool. Wayne did. Wayne did her wedding. Nice. So, yeah. Very cool. Very <laughs> cool. So uh, you grew up in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Then you moved to Pittsburgh. Started coming to the Bible Chapel. Yeah. Pretty pretty early on. Tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey. Where, how did you come to Christ? Yeah, so um, I was raised in a Christian family um, and a very Bible-believing evangelical church and things like that. And so I came to Christ at a very young age, around five years old. And um, so that's when I trusted in Christ. You know, um, at that age, um, I definitely know that I made a decision to trust Christ, but you don't really fully understand Mm -hmm. all the inner workings of that. So it's more or less fire insurance, you know, at that point. Um, and I was going to church and everything, but then about 12 years old is when really, really Christ started to impress on me, hey, you know what, this is a relationship. This is, you know, I'm, I'm more than just your savior. I'm your friend. I'm mm-hmm. your best friend, and I'll be here for you through thick and thin. And that just completely opened my eyes to a whole new aspect of what it means to follow Christ and so at that point I really committed my life to Christ um, at at about 12 years old and so so then um, after high school I went out to (laughs) I went out to Philly for I went to Philadelphia College of Bible is what it was known then it is now known as Cairn University it's been through many name changes so um, but I was a Bible major and missions minor the full intention of going into full-time missions. <laughs> okay. Um, and so back up a little mm-hmm. bit. So what, um, what had happened in your life to that point? Um, how, how, did, how did you know that, okay, missions may be something for me? How did you feel kind of that call on your life? Yeah, so um, I really, once I committed my life to Christ, it was like an all-in thing, you know? At, and, uh, at 12, really? yeah. Yeah, and I was just like, you know what, I'm all in. You know, after all that you are doing for me, whatever you want for me, I will do. And I would hear mission speakers coming into church or at Bible camp and things like that. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to that. <laughs> you know? I'm like, well, it was more of a, you know, why missions? I was like more of a why not missions type of a person. So I'm like, yeah, I'm willing to do it. So why not go, mm. you know? So that's kind of, kind of a backwards way of thinking, I think. But 
that's pretty much what led me to choose that as a path mm -hmm. initially. So. so you go to college thinking, okay, missions sure. may well be in uh, my future. Yeah. Graduate from uh, Philadelphia, Karen uh, University now, <laughs> and um, uh, come back to Pittsburgh area. And then you start working pretty quickly soon after that on your master's degree. And I thought mm. that was kind of a fascinating story, yeah. uh, your master's degree. Tell, tell that part of the story. So, well, let me back <coughs> up slightly because there's a very key thing that happened at college. Okay. So when I, my, the summer before my senior year of college, I had to do an internship. And I ended up doing a two-month internship in an orphanage in Romania. And that actually changed my life. So that is, at that place, I realized how much trauma and how much neglect these kids were experiencing that had been abandoned. Um, and so that's when God really put in my heart a passion to work with orphan kids, um, to work with the orphan and the vulnerable. And at that point, I realized these kids have so many emotional needs. Right, Jackie? Um, she's going to be my go-to girl. <laughs> um, but these, uh, <laughs> these kids have so many needs because of the neglect that they've experienced that I'm like, missions might not have been the best choice of major. <laughs> I should have chosen special ed or something like that. And uh, by then I wasn't willing to go back and change it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so that's why I'm like, well, you know, maybe God will open the door to, for me to do a master's and I can get the education I need to work with this population there. So, so missions and then specifically uh, orphan yeah. ministry. Yeah. Um, so you come back to Pittsburgh and then talk about your master's and some of the things you were involved yeah, in. Yeah, so I came back to the Pittsburgh area, um, worked for uh, regular jobs for about, let's see, 2006. So about nine, uh, about nine years <laughs> I did regular mm -hmm. jobs. And then I... You know, God provided a way for me to be able to go back to school and get my master's. So I went to the University of Pittsburgh and did their program in applied developmental psychology, which sounds really important. But it's really just child development with an <coughs> emphasis in emotion, dealing with emotions and behaviors. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, and while while I was there, I was actually serving as a research assistant, um, doing uh, helping improve caregiving in international orphanages. So it was really cool the way God really provided in that way to be able to actually do hands-on stuff in, in what I was passionate about. So. I want to ask you a question because um, you uh, felt a call uh, to missions uh, when you were uh, going into college. You studied that in college, and then kind of nine years went by. Um, there are a lot of people who are going to be listening to this or watching this that's, that God has put a call in their life for something. It may not be ministry, but something that, you know, something specific he has for mm -hmm. them. And um, they may not do it right off. And a year may go by or two years go by or nine years go by. And they just feel like, that's ah, too late. I can't do it. Talk about that nine years. So during that time, God had to keep saying, hey, Robin, don't forget about this. And then <laughs> something happened where you said, oh, man, that really is a passion. Talk about kind of your thought, your heart process mm. uh, during that time. Yeah, well, it's, that's a very <coughs> important period, actually, that I don't necessarily mean to skim over, but um, hopefully it's an encouragement to other people. But um, yeah, so actually what happened was actually on my, um, on my internship, on the way back from, on my internship, I was actually attacked by somebody on a train. And so I was actually the victim of abuse. And basically it wrecked me. <laughs> so that nine year period was actually just a period of healing. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was a period of healing because I was like, at that point I was like, after that happened I started questioning God, of course. You know, I'm like, well why would you let this happen? And why, you know, how can I trust you if you're not going to protect me? And, um, you know, how can I trust that you are good and when you allow this th these things to happen? And so I really had a really long time of wrestling with God. And I felt, and in the course of that, the pastor at my home church 
I started counseling with him, and he's an excellent counselor, but in the midst of our counselor, he actually um, left the church, and I found out it was because he had an affair. And so the one person that I was starting to trust with my story betrayed me. And so then I just spiraled into a depression, and it was a really, really, really hard time. Um, and I could not get out of this pit of depression myself. And I couldn't trust God to pull me out, because at that point I was having trust issues with God, right? So it was kind of a catch-22 situation where it's like, I know I need to reach out to you for you to pull me out of this pit of depression, but I don't trust you to do that. Mm. And so um, it was a real, and still in the back of my mind this whole time, I'm like, listen, I, I still, even though I'm in this spot where I know I'm not spiritually prepared to go into full-time ministry, I feel like there's that niggling hope that someday, someday it's coming, someday, and I need to be ready. <laughs> um, and so I went through counseling with a Christian counselor over at ACAC and um, just, you know, went through a lot of counseling and a lot of fighting back and forth with God. And, and eventually, you know, God brought me to a point where I was taking baby steps towards trusting him. And then God decided that that wasn't enough and said, and I lost my job. <laughs> and I had already moved to Pittsburgh from Newcastle. And I was like, God, I do not want to go back to Newcastle because by that time I was involved with the Bible Chapel. And I was like, I, I, I'm starting to really, you know, my, well, my life is starting to turn around spiritually. I'm starting to get in a good place with you. And I can't do this. I, I can't believe. Basically, it was my community at the Bible Chapel. I didn't want to leave. And uh, so God's like, well, then do you trust me? <laughs> Because you've got to trust me all, all wholeheartedly, not just baby steps. And so I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to trust that you, you've got this. You know, I've lost my job. I, don't, I can't stay here without one. Within two weeks, that's when I got, I was contacted my, by my professor for a graduate internship mm. to do international orphanage mm. work. So that's a really cool part of the journey mm. that it's like, you know what, uh, you might be going through things. You might be going through really hard times and might think, man, I'm not spiritually capable of doing this. Well, no, none of us are. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. the point, right? So, but, you know, if God wants you somewhere, if God has placed a passion in your heart for something, um, if he's placed it there, there's a reason for it, and he's going to mm -hmm. get you to the place you need to be. Mm -hmm. Robin, before we uh, move on, and that's a powerful part of your story, Talk to that person that's kind of stuck in there. Uh, talk to the person who you were maybe three years into this. God, you know, you call me to something, and then you don't protect me, or I feel like you're not. Um, I feel like you're calling me to something, but I, but I can't. I'm having trouble with trust. Mm -hmm. Talk to that person and just give them. They may be in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. You've been in it, and now you're you're out of it. We're all growing, obviously, in that. But talk to that person in the middle of it. How would you encourage them? Yeah. I would say, first of all, don't, don't give up, you know. I mean, the, the temptation is to give up and to just either chuck the Christian faith or if you were in depression like me, you know, I had days when I would have suicidal thoughts all day long. So don't give up. You know, um, and remember that, you know, God has a purpose for your life. You don't see it right now. Right now, all you see is the pain. But God has a purpose for your life, and he does love you. And he's, whether you believe that or not, I know it doesn't always seem like it, but just don't give up hope that God's got you. And secondly, I, I would encourage you, if you're in a place where you're really struggling get counseling, get Christian counseling. Let me preface Christian counseling. Right. It's important to get counseling to be able to, and it doesn't mean you're weak. It just means, hey, you know what? There's people that God's placed in all around the world that can help us through these difficult times in our lives. 
So take advantage of that and have someone help you process what's going on in your head so that you can get to a place of healing. Mm. That's great. That's great. You lose your job. Hmm. Trusting in the Lord. Uh, you get a call from your professor and take the story from there. And then <laughs> kind of what happens from there? Yeah. So then my professor, yeah, offers me at Pitt because I was plugging along with like one course, graduate course a semester because that's all my job would pay for. <laughs> and I couldn't afford it otherwise. And so then I lost my job, and my professor calls me. She's, she's like, hey, I have an opening for a research assistant doing um, research on um, improving caregiving, caregiving in international orphanages. This is what her specialty was. Um, she's like, are you interested? I'm like, yes. So not only did God provide a, a job in my, that would give me a lot of experience and education in that field that I was passionate about, but also, he enabled me to go to school full-time instead of plugging along one semester at a time, mm -hmm. and I was able to finish my graduate courses like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was really exciting. So that was, that was really good. And then after that, I worked a couple different jobs with um, special needs children. So I worked with, uh, as a behavior specialist consultant in homes with parents with kids with behavior issues. Um, and then uh, You did that here in Pittsburgh? Yeah, in Pittsburgh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I also worked um, at Child's Way, um, which is um, a medical daycare within the Children's Home of Pittsburgh that provides um, nursing care. So children with medical needs, their parents can go to work and ha know that their child is safe. So I was a preschool teacher for kids with special needs in that facility for that's, a few years. That's great. And you, you worked, uh, you served here for a while? Yeah. And then you uh, were in Wilkinsburg most yes. of the time. Yeah. 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 Why Wilkinsburg? Why did you choose Wilkinsburg? God, I didn't. God did. God did. <laughs> I didn't want to go to Wilkinsburg. <laughs> yeah, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that, yeah, I mean, I started going to the Bible Chapel here in like, what, 2007. Um, I started getting involved with the nursery. I the big draw for me for the Bible chapel itself was, you know, it just had, I guess it's always hard to do church shopping in a new place, right? So the, the solid biblical teaching was honestly the key draw. And then the worship that really drew me closer to, drew me closer to God. And then having so many different programs and ways to get plugged in. I know some people think, oh, the church is so overprogrammed. But you know what, for me, I'm like, I, I craved that variety because, wow, look at all the different opportunities, you know? Mm -hmm. So I got involved with the young adult group. I got involved with children's ministry. Um, and then you, you open, and then I, uh, oh, yeah, I became a member in like around 2010. Um, went on one of the first short-term trips um, to do the scholarship week at, with Word of Life Panama oh, in 2011 okay. with Nancy. Okay. <laughs> um, and then we did a, I co-led a trip with uh, Daryl Urbanic to Romania mm -hmm. um, to do orphan work. Um, so got involved in that and then got involved with the orphan ministry on the leadership team of the orphan ministry with John. Um, so got involved in different ways. So I was pretty getting pretty entrenched here at the South Hills, and then you guys went and opened Wilkinsburg. <laughs> and I sat there in the service when you were talking about that, I'm like, I'm not going. <laughs> yeah, it's closer to home, but I'm not going. <laughs> and God said, you are, if I tell you you are. I'm like, oh, man. Because <laughs> I really was, I, I really liked the South Hills. Mm -hmm. But then God's like, yeah, no. You, you need to go to Wilkinsburg. And so... I started going to Wilkinsburg when Wilkinsburg started, and I uh, got involved with the children's ministry there and the worship team, and yeah, that's where I've been going ever since. Just between us, <laughs> just between us, all right? Okay. What's it really like to work with Dave and Maria and Ted? Mm -hmm. It's a little shaky. There's that Tanner over there, too. Tanner, huh? <laughs> 
Had to, be a tri- had to be a trying time. They're very good. I love them. <laughs> Actually, well, it, see, now, now I love my Wilkinsburg yeah. family. So I'm really glad God brought me to Wilkinsburg. I miss some of my South Hills family, but they were breaking up anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, the young adult group goes and gets married, and they don't have friends anymore. So it's good that I moved on. <laughs> it was cool to see you out there. And you were like, I think you were, I don't know, were you on the original launch team? or? I wasn't really on the launch team. I just kind of tagged along. <laughs> yeah. I remember going out and seeing you, and I, when I saw the picture of you uh, playing the guitar, and I, oh, I really? remember cool. you were on the on the worship team out in uh, in uh, Wilkinsburg. So, mm-hmm. you Wilkinsburg campus, you're settled in, you got a church family, you got your masters, life is good, and then God says, <laughs> "It's time. time for the next step," right? <laughs> So talk about that. So the next thing I remember, you were talking about this midterm, two-year stint in Kenya. Yeah. And uh, just talk about that process, because I think so many people, they see decisions that are made of another person, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't always talk about the process that Mm -hmm. gets to that decision. So you're, you're... Life is good in Wilkinsburg. You're enjoying what you're doing with the young kids. And now God says it's time to uproot. I mean, Kenya's, Kenya's not the United States. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty smart. You're, you're astute. <laughs> I'm astute. <laughs> Talk about that process. How do you get there? Uh, yeah, well, keep in mind that missions was always still the goal. <laughs> You know, even through all that stuff that I went through. And I was still, you know, I was building experiences. You know, God was using this time. You know, most people, like, go to college and then go overseas. Me, I took the long way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But God used the long way to teach me a lot about myself and about himself and about, and, and to give me a lot more education and preparation for the types of work that I would be doing. So that was good. So keep in mind, so I was still always had that in the back of my mind, eventually I'm going to be doing orphan work, mm-hmm. you know, not Over- just overseas, overseas, okay. not just locally, you know, I don't know what that's going to look like, but eventually that's going to happen mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's what God's put in my heart. So when I got all my school loans paid off, I started, <laughs> I started applying for mm-hmm. places. And um, yeah. Did you have any place in particular or did you apply at several different well, uh, mission organizations. I went through the list of about 40 mission organizations that I remembered from college, okay. like 15 years before, and mm-hmm. um, and narrowed it down pretty much to just two, and Kids Alive really, um, Kids Alive International really kind of lined up with my vision of orphan care. As far as orphanages should not be large institutional dormitory style things, right? They should be family, right? It should, they, children should be cared for in a family setting. And so they, their mission is to rescue, to share the love of Christ by rescuing children in crisis. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they rescue kids off the street or in, from abusive situations. Um, they have residential homes. And so basically their model of orphan care really kind of lined up with mine. Um, from what I had observed in Romania and things like that. And so that's kind of why I chose them. And mm-hmm. they, they're well, well established, even though nobody's ever heard of them. <laughs> Kids Alive, are they in, they're in several different countries? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they serve, they actually work with orphans and vulnerable children in 12 different countries around the world. And they've been around for over 100 years. They okay. started in China. Um, uh, with some missionaries in China that saw kids on the street and said, felt God's calling them to take care of these kids. Mm-hmm. And so they've actually been well established. They now have like over 80 missionaries. They have ministered to over 5,000 kids around the world. They have national staff, hundreds of national staff. So I felt looking at them, and they have a lot of financial and physical responsibility that's important, and they're biblically based. I'm like, you know what, really checking off all the boxes mm-hmm. here, <laughs> you know, 
checking off all the boxes. So that's why I actually, that's why I applied with Kids Alive. Talk a little bit about uh, their philosophy because I know there are several philosophies when it comes to orphans yeah. and orphan <laughs> ministry. Yeah. Uh, their philosophy is not the um, more the institutionalized large mm. settings, but the family settings. So talk about that. That's a pretty uh, important distinctive. Yeah, it is. So basically, they have, uh, they kind of remember it with the three R's. So they rescue, redeem, and restore. So they rescue the kids from the situations they're in. So whether it's an abusive situation, whether they're living on the streets, things like that, they rescue the child and put them in a safe place, usually like a residential home. So they then redeem, they share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. And that's a, a key element in, in what they do. They try and they restore. They try to restore that child to back to what God intended for them to be. Instead of a broken individual, you try to restore the, their hope and, mm -hmm. and their individuality. So, but their, their model um, is a family style. So they'll have a house parent, they'll have, if they have residential, they do lots of different things. So about only 15% of what they, of the children they serve are actually in residential care. Most of what they do is through community care. So they'll do, they'll s support children in their families or they will uh, do schools and things like that. But um, the residential model is to have a house, house set of house parents, Christian house parents, over a house of supposed to be about 10 kids and then those parents are committed to raising those children. Mm. Um, in different countries, it might look differently based on the culture and the availability of staff. But um, so that is critical because you know every kid needs a family, right? So mm. you don't wanna just have a round of caregivers coming in and out of a child's life. So basically, they went to where there was a cry for help <laughs> mm. saying, hey, we need somebody to be able to move, come in and, and take this over for us because we can't do it anymore mm. instead of turning the kids out on the street. Okay. And what do you do? What's your job? You're training yeah. uh, those who are, who are uh, house parents or going to be house parents? Or mm -hmm. tell, us, tell us what you do. Yeah, so in, um, <laughs> my job was I would travel to all the sites that Kids Alive had throughout Kenya, residential sites, they had four different residential sites, two up by Mount Kenya and Central, one south of Nairobi in Machakos, and then one out by in Western Kenya. So they had four sites. I would travel to the sites and do how, train the house parents in best practices in childcare, standards of excellence, how to deal with kids with emotional and behavioral issues because of trauma. Um, so a lot of times these kids would come into the place, um, they would start, healing physically because they were getting nutritious meals and medication they would start catching up in their education you know we're looking at the holistic development of a child so there's physical there's educational they would get their spiritual needs met they'd start be talking about you know Jesus Christ but then a lot of the elements that were often left out was emotional social so a lot of times um, the mindset was, well, now they're rescued, they should be fine. <laughs> and neglected, ignoring the fact that they've gone through horrific trauma in their lives that most of us will never see in our lifetimes, mm -hmm. right? So my job was to come in and train them to say, listen, you gotta look at the whole child. And um, you, know, you need to address these issues that they're carrying around, buried under, they're buried them down deep, but they, ha they are there. So. That was my job. I would come in and train the house parents on mm -hmm. best practices in childcare and dealing with those emotional issues. Some of the, those emotional issues are deep. Yes. Uh, uh, does Kids Alive have um, professional Christian counselors that kind of travel around and interact with the kids, or is that you training the house parents to do the best they can with those <laughs> with those needs? That's a good question. It d it varies mm -hmm. based on based on location. Okay. <laughs> so in some countries, like the Latin American countries, um, like in Guatemala, Guatemala, um, Kids Alive runs a rescue center for children out of sexual exploitation, much 
like the home that we work with in what time? Thailand? Thailand. Thailand. Mm -hmm. Faith House. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so much like that. So they have professional Christian counselors on staff and everything. Um, not all the sites do. So that's something that they're trying to change, is to, to have Christian counselors that available for each country at, and, and things like that. So right now, in Kenya, it was me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I also went to Zambia um, for two weeks and did like a two-week intensive training of all their staff on, on these issues as well. So we, we did Kenya and Zambia. So, so far, so they're working on Christian counselors, but mm -hmm. they're not there yet. <laughs> so they are working on that. Yeah. That's great. That's I'm great. hoping by the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> so you're there for two years. Yeah. You see a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times people who see someone go overseas, a missionary, a uh, global worker, always feel like, you know, they're kind of a notch above, right? They're not a normal person. Therefore, I can't, and, and that's an excuse. I can't do that because you know, they're really a notch above. Um, but a missionary is a normal person, and you go through great times, and you go through challenging times. So, so one, of my, one of my favorite songs is uh, uh, God of the Hills and Valleys, right? Mm. God of the Hills and Valleys, and I am not alone. That's the, that's the key to the song. So talk about, uh, over those two years, just some of the tremendous blessings you saw when you said, man, God, you are at work. You're always at work. But this is cool. Hmm. I see you at work. Um, this is amazing. Firsthand, vivid, bold. And then talk about some of the challenging times uh, that you had while you're there. And uh, you're dealing with some of the poorest of the poor. And not only physically poor, but um, emotionally um, deprived, you know, and hmm. abandoned. So let's start with the, let's start with the, uh, the hills, right? So God... Fantastic! This is great. I can't believe you let me see this firsthand. Mm. Yeah, um, I think one of the most there's uh, the the two biggest hills <laughs> are, of course, if you guys have most of you have been overseas or things like that, and re working with kids is probably the most <laughs> rewarding things that you could ever do, in my opinion. <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. know. Of course, that's well, how I'm geared. Mm -hmm. so, so I just, those children, loving on them and having them love you back is just, we're way up there, you know? I just, I love developing those bonds and being able to speak into their lives, and um, it's just awesome. And then uh, the second is, is, is the staff. Um, mm -hmm. Honestly, I mean, this, the na in Kenya, all the staff were nationals. I mean, we had what, the three of us missionaries, and we just kind of were there to fill in gaps. We weren't there to do the work, <laughs> you know. The work was all being done by Kenyan nationals, mm -hmm. and you know their dedication, their resilience, their um, you know willingness to really give it all for the ministry for God is is was tremendous. It's humbling to see, mm -hmm. you know, just that their perspective on wow you know god is so great you know and they just have a relationship with god that even through the poverty and through the trials they they hold on to that yeah so, so it, you know we've been in uh, we do some work in the Mathari slums yeah. in in nairobi and um uh, they have nothing mm. and yet they're some of the happiest people <laughs> i've ever seen on the face of the earth weird huh it is weird, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing that all the stuff we have doesn't satisfy the heart. Mm. Uh, but they have the Lord, and uh, they are some of the happiest people. So you saw that firsthand, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, really w you were able to experience that and watch that. So that's the hill. So uh, no doubt, a couple years there, you had some challenging times. What's yeah. it? What's a, what were some of the things where you saw God in the same way? God, you're amazing, mm -hmm. but you know, uh, now I'm seeing your your care and your compassion personally in my life. Yeah, so I think I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Did you know missionaries are not perfect people? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, initially, one of my biggest challenges was homesickness and loneliness. Um, 
that was huge. I really miss my my church family. I miss my family, my friends, my, everything back home. I, bad, bad, bad. Um, and part of that might have been because I didn't really have any other Americans to talk to that understood where I was coming from. Mm -hmm. So that might have been part of it. But I was really, really homesick and lonely, especially like the first year <laughs> mm -hmm. that I was there. The other, other thing was, again, missionaries, not perfect people. So um, the British, single British woman missionary and I ended up sharing a house. And you know what, after a while, even though we both were passionate and, and believers and really passionate about loving on these kids and making a difference for these kids, we, we began to see there, there was more than just cultural differences. There were a lot of personality differences. And um, so there was a lot of interpersonal um, conflict. Just We just weren't meshing. And that caused a lot of strife in, because we kind of lived and worked together 24 seven. Um, and that was, that was problematic. And a lot of, I'm one of those people, <laughs> Maria can attest to this. I'm one of those people that just like, I don't want to rock the boat. I want everyone to be happy. I'm just very, I'm a very laid back person. I don't, I hate conflict. It's like, it's like horrible. I hate conflict. I don't even want to enter conflict, let alone deal with it in a proper biblical way. I'm just avoid it. Uh, we're talking about uh, some of the challenging times and you said, uh, Homesickness yeah. was, was a challenging time, and loneliness, and then some conflict yeah. that you go through. And, you know, we use the word homesick in a lot of different ways, but uh, when you're over there like that, <laughs> homesick is a, is a physical uh, issue going mm -hmm. on in your, in your mind, and your body, and your heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes a lot of people don't stick it out. That's when they... That's when they leave. So, yeah. so you stuck it out, and, and God saw you through that. Mm -hmm. And also the conflict, you, uh, you and your uh, British friend worked <laughs> things out. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, really, a, a lot of times when there's, you know, there's a lot of personality differences and stuff like that, but I didn't recognize <laughs> it for that. I, re I recognized it as, oh, I'm, I must be doing something wrong. I, you know, it's, I took it on myself. I'm like, it must, it must be me. There's something I'm doing. I'm failing here to make this work. And I was just so confused. And some wise people spoke into my life that knew both of us and, and kind of convinced me that, okay, it's not you. <laughs> it's just a matter of personality mm -hmm. difference you know you're not going to get along with everybody which was a new revelation to me <laughs> I was like really <laughs> but that's the way it's supposed to be and so so really just those wise people speaking into my life saying you know what and really recognizing a lot of it was recognizing that this is a stronghold of Satan in my life mm -hmm. my thoughts for me my thought life is definitely one of those places where he can get in and he can peck away at me mm -hmm. and he can be feeding me thoughts of your failure you're you're not cut out for this you can't do this you know you know so just full of negative self thoughts and and recognizing that that is a strategy of the enemy mm. that this is spiritual warfare mm. you know he's trying to get me to a place where i'm useless and just being able to you know, come to that realization and recognize, okay, this is this is Satan working against uh, what, against what God wants to do, and uh, that was a big a big change. Mm -hmm. So there uh, in Kenya, uh, God did some tremendous work in your life, mm -hmm. which he uh, which he always does when we put ourselves out and and we put ourselves in a position where we're stretched. We can live in comfort sometime and not really grow like we should, uh, but, uh, but you did. You, you stepped out on faith and, and, uh, uh, and really saw God's work in your life. Now, your time in Kenya is, you're still with Kids Alive, mm -hmm. but your time in Kenya has come to an end. Mm -hmm. You're back in the States for a period of time, right? How long is that? Five months, but I'm only down to one. One more month. Can you believe that? Uh, that's hard to believe, uh, yeah. And now uh, you're going back with Kids Alive, but you're going to Dominican Republic. So talk about that transition and, yeah. and what you'll be doing in the DR. Yeah, so 
have a bit of a timeline, but yeah, so with Kids Alive Kenya, so in Kenya, there's a couple reasons I'm transitioning away from Kenya, but one is that, you know, when I was looking to see if I would continue on with Kids Alive, I was basically, it's like, you know, I, I, I like, I want to stay with Kids Alive, but Kenya's been rough, you know, it's been rough, it's a, it's a big change. And I didn't really have a lot of um, good Christian community there because um, we were in the middle of nowhere. Um, and, you know, the loneliness. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like, I would really like to be someplace where I can get home, back to the States more than once a year if possible, where there might be more missionaries so that I can have some kind of a support system in place. Um, that would be special. Uh, <laughs> So these are a couple of things that I was discussing with them. I'm like, listen, if, if you can't do that, that's okay. I mean, uh, you know, it's been fun. See ya. You know? <laughs> but they're like, no, 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 we can do that. So they said, they asked me to look at the Dominican Republic. Okay. Also, I could not stay in Kenya anymore full time because Kenya's government's been getting tough on their work visas for foreigners. And I haven't, I was not able to obtain a work visa. Okay. So basically i can't live there anymore <laughs> so mm -hmm. so but that leaves them without a missionary as well because at this point like halfway through last year both of the other co-workers were gone because one because of the work visa and one got married and so i was the i'm the only one left for kenya in kids lives so basically um kids lives asked me to do the dominican republic but continue to go back to kenya every summer <laughs> to help with short-term teams and supervise interns and things like that. So I'm actually returning to Kenya in July and August for two months to do that, to supervise interns. Um, I'll continue to do some staff training while I'm there. Um, and then I will come back here for a couple of weeks, but then um, I will start transitioning to the Dominican Republic. So after language school, I have to go to Guatemala for language school for about five months and some additional training, and then so I'm hoping by March of next year to be in okay. the Dominican. So first language school, and mm -hmm. then will you be doing the same types of things that you did in Kenya in DR? A little bit. So I'll still be doing some of that, um, some of that staff training, but um, I went to the Dominican Republic and visited the sites uh, a few weeks ago um, to see, okay, well, is this a fit for me? Um, and so, it's been this, uh, we've decided to work at a school called Palo Blanco in this town of Jarabacoa, which is in central Dominican in the mountain region. And so what, happen, what I'll be doing is helping with a trauma about uh, trust-based relational intervention. And it is um, something out of the Texas Christian University, Dr. Karen Purvis Institute, that deals a lot with attachment and how kids with trauma or emotional issues and behavioral issues, a lot of it's a trust issue with adults, mm -hmm. you know? They have to build that trust back up after they've been traumatized. And so this is something that they're kind of really embracing with Kids Alive, and especially in Latin America and hopefully with the other countries as well. But. Um, so in the Dominican, I will actually be trying to help implement this uh, new approach to caregiving at the Kids Alive School in Palo Blanco um, and working with the teachers and the staff there and, okay, well, what does this look like in our school setting? Um, and they all also will also have a sensory room, uh, much like you have in the special needs area mm -hmm. um, where kids can come and self-regulate and calm down if they are having issues um, and receive some kind of some therapy and some count some techniques and stuff to to regulate themselves so i'll be working with that and and developing plans for emotional and behavioral issues and stuff like that at the school so because the um in dominican can i talk a little bit more about the problems in dominican mm -hmm. so it looks a little different than in kenya um, the main sin in Dominican is, is sexual sin. So basically the school that I'll be working at um, actually has, um, they are 
in a very poor area of this of this city and actually this school only well actually in in most of the poor areas of, of the Dominican only 90% of children actually there's a 90% dropout rate of high school so only 10% of kids from poor areas of the Dominican graduate high school hmm. countrywide it's a little bit high it's more because in the wealthy areas of course they get go to high school mm -hmm. but in the poor areas 10 percent and most of the girls the one of the i was when i was talking with one of the dominican staff workers he said the problem in the area where i'll be working at is that is that in junior high when a girl reaches 13 or 14 years old the if a man starts to take interest in that girl the mother will actually try to push her daughter on that man so that the daughter will move, be moved out of the house so that she doesn't have to take care of the girl anymore. So then he, she becomes the responsibility of the man. They don't actually get officially married. They just move in together. And this could be a, like a 40-year-old man, drunk man, unemployed. It doesn't matter, you know, because it's a way to get her out of the house so it's one less mouth to feed and so this 13 14 year old girl will have to live with a man and have a couple babies within a few years that man leaves and moves on to the next girl hmm. so what happens is like these girls um, drop out of school so at the Paula Blanco school I'll be working at 10 years ago when they started um, they would have a class of about 25 boys and girls in a class and most of the girls would drop out between 7th and 8th grade because of this problem. They, because they were forced to go and live with somebody. 7th and 8th grade. Imagine your daughters. Can you imagine? And so, but now it's um, only one or two girls a year will drop out. And that's a huge difference, a huge difference. But they're still not, and there's a huge difference when they're able to go to high school. So the, the school goes through eighth grade. If the girl is able to go to high school, that's even better. And um, so now there's girls that are in graduating classes, graduating from high school and going on to university. And it's empowering to see that wow, these girls might be able to break out of this hmm. cycle of poverty and abuse and things like that. It's really powerful. He told me there's one girl at the school right now who's 13 living with an aunt who is literally a prostitute. I'm like, how do the authorities let this happen? They're like, the authorities don't care. They're paid off. No. And I was like, how do the mothers not care about their children. Don't they want, I mean, don't they want to see better for their children? Don't they realize that, hey, maybe my kids can have a better chance in life than I do? I said, why? Why don't they care? I mean, as a mother, you would care, right? He's like, these mothers went through the same thing and they have so much pain in their own life that they can't see past their own pain to the needs of their child. So it just keeps happening. That's a tremendous ministry then that you're going to be right involved mm. in, yeah, and uh, breaking a generational cycle of uh, abuse and mm. sexual sin, and uh, we want to be able to pray for you uh, regarding that. Um, give us some things that we can pray for you, you in particular, uh, as you go through the training. You're back to Kenya for two two months, right? Training. Uh, and then to uh, the DR, kind of, mm. kind of give us some, some broad things we can pray for you uh, regarding uh, what, your, what your next year looks like. Yeah. Um, I'd say um, personally just <coughs> prayers for um, adjustment. <laughs> it's a lot of adjustments coming up. Adjusting back to Kenya after being in the States for five months, I've really enjoyed it being here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> not ready to let go of the, you know the pizza and stuff yet so <laughs> <laughs> go back to ugali so um <laughs> so 
yeah, just like the cultural adjustment going back to Kenya and then how you're going to be going to Guatemala and that's another culture and then going to Dominican, it's another culture. So it's going to be a lot of adjustment. Um, so I just pray personally for me um, that I'll trust God through this and just, you know, really, huh, you know, be able to not just survive the adjustments but thrive through them, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. Also, <laughs> um, just being in prayer for, um, I'd say the, you know, be praying for the upcoming ministry and what this is going to look like in the DR because, I mean, they're doing a lot of really great work. Um, they're doing a lot of great work. So I'm excited to be involved with it. But I'm also, so I, but I'm also like, wow, am I qualified for this Mm -hmm. you know this is a lot you know but um so just prayer for you know that god will give me wisdom in the best way um to work with these kids and and to help them and help the staff help them and things like that and um also the third thing i think just the kenya thing um you know honestly this could be my last summer in kenya even though I've committed to every summer, um, they do have some prospective missionaries that are going to, that are looking at Kenya. Mm -hmm. And so I might need to be saying goodbyes this summer. Hmm. And I don't know how, it's kind of hard to know whether I am saying goodbye or not. So I kind of need to say goodbye with the caveat that I don't, dude, I don't know if I'll see you guys Mm -hmm. again. You know, so, yeah. We uh, are thankful for you. You're a great example uh, to those here, to all of us, and to those at the Bible Chapel, uh, to have a calling on your life and um, wrestle with God (laughs) in that calling, uh, but surrender to Him as well. And um, it's it's, uh, cool for us to have an extension of the Bible Chapel with you. Thank you for... Thank you for doing that for us uh, there in Kenya. You know, we've had the Mathari slum connection, mm-hmm. but th- this has opened up uh, new doors for us, and it's just cool to see you there. Uh, and now in the DR, that's mm-hmm. going to be pretty cool. In the Dominic- Dominican Republic, that's going to be pretty cool as well. So Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it speaks volumes because, I mean, the Bible Chapel, you guys are so invested into this types of population. You know, you love the orphan and vulnerable child so well. And you see it in so many of your overseas ministries as, long, as well as local, the foster care, the special needs. And it's just something that is such a perfect blend of you know, the passions of this church um, uh, with, along with uh, the ministry I'm working with, with Kids mm-hmm. Alive. It's just, it's very aligned. It certainly is a privilege for our church and individuals to be able to support this work that Robin is doing for the Lord. She has such a great perspective of how we can be serving locally and internationally with the same passion. We see that passion that God gave Robin for missions as she served from her backyard to literally around the world. Her knowledge and gifts of working with those with special needs has helped equip her to serve these children and their families. God is so good. Thank you for listening to Robin's story today on Fresh Faith. If you'd like to continue to pray for Robin, check out the show notes. See you next time.